0: Welcome to Magical Empath. This is a podcast about me, Danny Gilmore, on a journey to spiritual awakening. I'm learning how to use my superpowers as an empath and highly sensitive person to deepen my magical connection with spirit. I'm a holistic life coach. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a medical cannabis proud stoner. Yes, queen. Join me now on this journey. Let's get started by taking a few deep breaths together. to my episode number nine um this will probably be the last one when maybe i call out the episode number only because nine was always my lucky number growing up so i just was really excited to get to lucky number nine because that's my good luck number um as always i'm so happy to have each one of you here listening and tuning in thank you If this is your first episode your ninth your second, your third, whatever it is for you. I'm so happy to have you here. I hope this impacts you in a positive way and that you can learn, heal, and grow from something I talk about today. I always um, start with my card reading. Um, I use Dr. Judith Orloff's uh, card deck, Empowered Empath. Um, So these messages are really geared toward empaths um, as kind of like, I would say like pillars to live by um in like a very deeply rooted way uh whereas i think these messages are helpful for everyone however um across the world anyone looking to heal and grow um these can be pillars to live by i just think that uh empaths it's almost like you have to be grounded in these pillars in order to be able to use your superpower as a superpower and not let it become your kryptonite I really am happy about the first card that that we got today. So it is embrace your imperfections. Release the idea that you must be without flaws. Humans are imperfect, messy, and also miraculous. Simply aim to be the best person possible. I thought that was beautiful because I know for me that I am a struggling, I say I'm a recovering perfectionist. and I think it also is one of the pillars that is like rooted in my eating disorder, like being perfect. Like if I I can look perfect, feel perfect, act perfect, then everything will be great. And it goes against this other notion that like we're all individually unique and beautiful and we all bring something to the table and the universe, God, spirit created all of us to be uniquely different and we should celebrate that. So we get these two conflicting messages in society, I feel like. But I do think that embracing all types of women specifically has impacted me in a positive way. And it's there's plus size models now. You see um, models of so many more ethnicities, body types, shapes, colors, skin types, imperfections. Perfections, like it's just I don't know we are getting better um, at sending that message hopefully for little girls out there Um, but for all of us that are that, that missed that wave and grew up in the era where it was cute to be skinny and thin and that's what all you really saw in the the magazines like We just have to keep reminding ourselves, but even back then, like, and especially nowadays, like Photoshop is a real thing. So yes, people want to use it to enhance their beauty. And that's not, that, that, that. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not judging that, but I'm just saying, don't try to, we can't try to set our expectations to be something that is, have the potential to be touched up, to be made better and to show off the beauty. but I try my best not to touch up any of my photos because sometimes the lighting I will adjust because it helps you see things better or something, but I I really am not into touching up my photos in any type of way, especially having a young niece. I mean, she very much is aware of everything I do. And so I think if she start looking at my photos and they looked completely different than what I look like in person, that would be sending her the wrong message. And it's not comfortable to embrace your, imperf- your imperfections. I I'm, hope that no one is thinking that this is gonna be easy by any means. I mean, really, honestly, a lot of these cards aren't easy. Um, they're, e- they're, they're I will say this for my journey, it feels like they're hard in the moment as you're working through it. But like once you work through it, it does get easier. It becomes more natural. and I think that this idea again come of perfection comes from control which control to me comes from trauma in any shape or form like I've talked about in my previous episodes if you have trauma and you hold on to that you're building a wall like one brick at a time to just over your whole, over your whole heart and spirit. And so I truly believe that a a bright light shines so beautifully in all of us, but some of us have brick walls over our beautiful fire hearts. And I get it, it helps keep you protected. And like I've talked about before though, it also then doesn't allow you to feel the good things. And in the Untethered Soul book by Michael A. Singer, which is a New York seller best book, he talks about how like you have these thorns and you, you, these thorns are like the trauma, the interactions you hold on to. And they couldn't be good or bad. Like you could be trying to hold on to good stuff that you need to let go of. And so to me, it's like now after reading his book, I realized like it's like I had this brick wall up and then I had these thorns. And, and, and in my study group, I've been telling the people, let's imagine these thorns are like lightsaber lights. and if you're trying to navigate and not hit each other's thorns but i got all my thorns out and you got your thorns out we're going to hit each other it's like trying to go through like a maze and so that taking that wall down becomes one of the hardest things it becomes easy it's like easy to put the wall up just like it's easy to eat the food but then it's hard to lose the weight like it becomes easy to put the wall up, but it becomes very challenging to put the wall down. But once the wall is down, as someone who, I don't think my wall is all the way down, but I think I'm getting to the point where there's, like, I'm definitely in, like, the the lower half of the wall in my healing process. I think only really, like, the universe can help you understand how much but the more I stay open, and the more meditation work I, I I sit and I do, and I feel the emotions, and I let the the trauma come up, so much more alive I feel, and so much lighter. I will say I get these I get back pain though sometimes coming from them because I'm like oof all that negative came out and now it's like sitting like it's it's almost like I've brought it out up to the surface and now it's just like sitting in my back and so i've got to just like work to breathe it out and like let it go i think one of the things that came up in my meditation today that i really wanted to share with you guys was really interesting for me because i realized a couple things like one my healing journey would have never gotten to this point if i would have stayed in corporate america or like working a nine to five because i did work in like start tech tech startup but like I could have never gotten to this level. And I mean, it goes again, again, it talks about it like as a manifestor, as my human design, as an empath, as a highly sensitive person, like a 40 hour work week in a toxic environment is like not great for me. And then I start thinking about like all the ways like I've learned, my learning environments from the past. Um, my household there was a lot of shame um honestly from both sides again not calling out my parents in a negative way just sharing my story and how back then in the 90s we weren't talking about like how to be a good parent and how to like emotionally be a good parent to your kids but yeah even my mom she would use disappointment Ooh, she would say I was so disappointed in you Danny And that would hit so much colder than when my dad would give me spankings because to me, it was like, now you're crazy because you're hitting me and this hurts and I'm crying. But like with mom, it was like I disappointed her, dang. And that felt like shame, felt bad. And my father, what is your major malfunction? I remember once being lined up in his office and just like, him making me read books out loud to him. I understand now he was trying to in a loving way help me like read better as someone who was just recently diagnosed with dyslexia. But again, when you don't talk to a child and explain that to them, I thought it was just like punishment. Like once again, I have a malfunction dyslexia and now I got to go sit in this chair and stumble over these words and feel like I'm something's wrong with me. Then you think about bullying in the school environments or even just teachers again absentmindedly shaming you. Like I even sometimes think back about like the green, yellow, like red cards. It was like rather than just like letting me be a kid and like learn and make mistakes, even in kindergarten you guys are telling me I'm good almost good or like bad and I got my mom comes and picks me up and I gotta go say like I'm this color like I think about even at one school and and like we got a rating after lunch we had like our teachers because they didn't stay with us in the cafeteria after we left we get a, a rating and based on that rating I think we got prizes or something I can't really remember exactly but like so many areas of my life were all about shame when I was trying to learn. Even when I think about like dance class, gymnastics classes I was in, like the, the it was all about like shame. And I remember always feeling so sh- so much shame as a kid. So just not okay with who I was because I was just so sad that someone was going to call out another one of my imperfections. And once again, I wasn't good enough. And I also tell people, ironically, like the best part about like moving around was a lot, was I did, I get to try, I got to try so many different things, which again is a curse and a blessing. So like, I was never good at one thing. So I couldn't ever like be on the travel team and all that. But like, and I don't even know if my mom had that level of commitment to do all that with me. But like, I always, she always just let me pick something new. So I remember in like one deep Virginia, I like played the clarinet. Um, I think in one other place I played the violin, Um, I played the piano in Texas, I remember she got me a piano, I did ice skating, I did gymnastics, I did hip hop, dance, like, I just got to keep doing things, and, but now that I think about it, a lot of those places, I did, like, I got shamed, because I wasn't that good, and I was always starting at an older age, like, the older I got, it was always like, oh, these kids have been doing this since, like, they were 12, so your kid doesn't really fit here. And never really finding my niche. Even in gymnastics, I remember being shamed for not being flexible enough. Like, it was like, oh. I remember once, too, I was trying out for the soccer team here, even uh, at my high school. And I got in my head, and I forgot how many laps I was supposed to run. And so I was so embarrassed that I just stopped. I didn't notice if I had kept running or if I was running with everyone. So I just stopped when everyone else stopped. And the coach like looked over and he's like, like, you're not done. You, we left you twice or something. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, this is why sports was never for me. Like the whole yelling at you, screaming at you, that shame is like the worst way to get to me. And now I do have an environment where like the leader doesn't shame people at all. And I hope one day I have a business where one of the core values is like no shaming. I even think about learning to sail. I feel like I just like was I a lot of times when I made mistakes, it was like you're learning, but I just felt like I completely failed. And I learned how to sail in one year and then raced the largest freshwater race in the world from Chicago to Mackinac Island. And like I did my part by far, I did more than my part on that journey because not only did one of my, cause you have shifts, night shift, and like you sleep on for three hours off, or I don't even remember if it was three or four hours, but whatever it was, but like one of my shift people, and there's only three of us, he was seasick the whole time, because it stormed so bad. So like, not only was I pulling twice my weight on my shift, because my brother-in-law was the driver on our shift. So like, he he can't like be running around helping me. He's got to drive the boat. And then for him, he was pulling extra weight because the other guy on our shift was his relief driver. And while I could drive, there was no way I was gonna be driving in that storm. So I did drive some driving at night too. So again, pulling extra weight. And then the other shift made a couple mistakes where we had to wake up and I had to fix them for them. Like like scary mistakes. So I don't think I give myself enough credit ever, but like, if I were to talk to you about the Mac race, like maybe even a month ago, I would have told you like the things I did wrong on the race. And I always thought about like, again, even now that like my crew doesn't have a boat, like my mom will say, well, do you want to try to get on another boat? And I'm always like, no, no, no. And I come up with excuses. But like, really the reason is, is I'm scared to get on another boat and get shamed again. Because then it's kind of like all of you guys as a crew shaming me and laughing and against me. It's just really hard when you're you're really focused on trying to be perfect. Because shame will become such a big part of your life because there is no no such thing as perfect. But shame, people shaming you, is what causes you to think that. You should be perfect. And I had this one teacher in, De- in Virginia, Miss Bloom. Oh, I loved Miss Bloom. And I remember she, I like thought I was a terrible writer as well. And at this point, I didn't know I was dyslexic. So I was I was under the age of when I took the test and found out. So writing was really scary for me because I'd been shamed again at a very young age by my, by my father for, for, for my writing and my dyslexia. And I remember she always picked an essay to put up on the like projector. I, I don't even know if they have those, these in classes in any, schools anymore, but it was like one of those old school metal projectors where you needed that like thin, I can't even think of what it's called anymore, but that thin see-through paper to put it on there and then you could write on it and like you squirt that stuff on it and erase it off, yeah, old school. Um, and so every time we did like a paper or an essay or whatever, she would pick somebody the best writer, and she'd make it into one of those sheets so like you knew she picked the one like ahead of time, and then we would go through and edit like what could have been better and She picked mine once, and I wanted to run through the classroom with that little thin piece of seafood paper with my essay on it and like slow clap and like we are the champions. Like I was so proud of myself, but of course I didn't want to show it because I didn't want to come off cocky. And I also was very embarrassed because I didn't want all the spotlight on me. And I was also worried. I didn't, I was like thinking, man, I wonder if somebody else thought theirs was going to be it. And she made such a big impact. And I was only at that school for two years because we, again, I moved around a lot growing up because of my father's jobs in the government. But I remember even that next year, I think that was fourth grade. And in fifth grade, I had a new classroom, obviously a new teacher. And actually I was in the front of the, my classroom was in the front of the the school. But every day I got off the bus and I went first to Miss Bloom's classroom, which was like behind, even like further behind my classroom. Like to the point where her... Students would go Miss Bloom, Miss Bloom, when I they, they saw me at the door, because sometimes you go to I'd go to the door and she wouldn't be there, but almost every day she was standing there and just, I for me as a kid it felt like she was waiting for me to get there and just give me a hug and tell me I was great, and I remember when I moved, she actually took me out to ice cream. Um, and like, I don't remember where we went exactly, but it was like, it was very Virginia-y, but it was like, we went a little distance, it wasn't just like right by the school, like, we got to drive a little bit, and I remember thinking, she's like, I have something to tell you, and I I thought as a kid, like, you're pregnant, but I didn't know how to say that to her, because then I was gonna, I was worried she was gonna think I was saying she was fat, so I just, I said, oh, what do you have to tell me, and she was like, I'm pregnant with her first kid, and I was like, I knew it, but I didn't know how to tell you. And I, I realize again, I do have this thing where I really know when women are pregnant for whatever reason before they tell me. And so again, it goes back to just like realizing you're an empath and being a kid, but shout out to Miss Bloom wherever she is in this world with all of her beautiful children if she had more or just her one child and her family, but just if, if if you take anything away from this episode just don't shame people if you can just try to remember like they're hurting just as much as you are and the reason why you want to shame them is because of your shame and your thorns that you've collected and your brick wall that you've built up and so the last card that we got our bonus one for this reading was stop trying to fix people Which is interesting, I had to go back and look, we did get this card on episode number seven, so a couple weeks ago, and it came back up. But I think it's ironic that it came back up because definitely for me, I know it's something that like, this is one of those cards that it's just, this isn't going to happen overnight in a week in a day, like you really got to work at this. And the message that goes with it is, it's not your job to fix anyone, allow people the dignity of their own paths. And I I think this card comes up again too, because there's so many different ways that we're trying to fix people in society. And I am as a coach, I even feel like, like there's the coaching Danny that's trying to fix people. There's the, and I I don't, I wouldn't say as a coach, I'm trying to fix people, but I think perfect example, like I'm trying to coach people at the lunch table that don't want to be coached. Like, they just want to be grumpy and angry and like mad about what they're mad about. Like they don't want my coaching. Um, So like, to me, that's again, me trying to like fix a a thorn for them that they don't like. they they don't want to fix and they can only fix it. Um, But I think as a coach, and when you're on your healing journey, I think it's, you get so excited. Like, Like, yeah, if you just let go though. It's so great, but like, not everybody's there. So you have to remind yourself of that. So like, there's that level of trying to fix, In my life, that I see come up, then I also think there's the the trying to fix people out of protection of your own thorns. Oh, well, if I tell you to do it this way and you do it this way, and this is the way that I, because this is the way I want it done, and this is the way it doesn't in my thorns, then you'll be good. And it's like, why does that make sense? Again, we go, I go back to that statement of like, it's June, it's Pride month, we're supposed to embrace the LBGTIQ plus community. We're supposed to embrace love is love, people are people. But then we're trying to make everybody fit into these tiny little molds. And that's not gonna ever work. Well, I mean, it is working, but it's not gonna work for the people like me Ooh, it, that I'm, I'm not I'm, I don't fit into those boxes. those boxes don't work for me. In fact, those boxes cause me more trauma than they do even protection. I can't you can't we can't fix people to navigate around our thorns. But again, like I said earlier, it goes back to that control. You have to let go of control. Because when you're so controlling, you're always going to be disappointed because you can't control people. People are going to be people. You can't fix them. You can't change them. You can't invalidate them you can tell yourself you're doing all of those things but every single human being on this planet is worthy they have valid emotions and i truly believe they have a fire in their heart that shines bright that means that like they want to do good for the world but then these things like shame trauma fear pain hurt loss suffering disappointment perfection start to cloud up because of what society says. And then we stop being open. And we try to be perfect and we try to control and we try to make other people fit our molds. it's okay to have similarities. Yeah. I mean, we can all like say similar things, but that doesn't mean like all stoners have to be Bob Marley, dreadlocks, no deodorant, like bro vibes. Like, yeah, maybe some stoners are, but not all of us are like that. And yeah, maybe I still do like Bob Marley, but I, I didn't just start liking him because I started smoking cannabis. (laughs) <laughs> like come on I just think that if people could be a little bit more compassionate with their own selves then maybe they could be a lot more compassionate with the outer self like their outer world and so maybe instead of next time looking at like the outside we're always quick to say what's wrong on the outside like go within And again, don't shame yourself either. Just notice what is coming up for me. And like, be okay with that. Because again, your feelings are valid. It is valid to feel jealousy. You may not want to feel jealousy. Society may have told you you don't want to feel jealousy. But in this moment, you're truly feeling jealous. With COVID and the neighborhood I live in, I like to just have the sidewalk to myself. And I live in in like right outside of Chicago. So it's kind of we have like city blocks. I mean, they're houses because it's a neighborhood, but like they're long blocks. And, you know, with COVID, it was pretty customary that like if you got to the corner and somebody was already on the block, you'd go to the other side. But there's like some people that don't follow that rule. And I remember last week I was on my nature walk getting all built up and angry because I was almost to the like I was about halfway through the block. And this couple and this family turned down and they've got their stroller, their dog coming down the block. And I'm like, there's no way we can all make it through now. And y'all were at the front of the beginning of the block. Why didn't you notice me? And now I've created this whole narrative in my head that they intentionally are doing this to me. And now I've walked a whole block, not even noticing what's going on because I'm so worried about this family that I've already passed. Well, rather than just when they turned being like frustrated and saying, oh, I'm annoyed that now I have to cross the street because I don't want to walk past them and I don't want to walk in the grass and I am I, more comfortable walking. It's more comfortable for me not to have to pass them. So it's my decision to cross the street. And I'm frustrated that I have to do that because maybe if I was a... a not a neurodivergent. So I'd, someone who thinks differently than what like most typical people do. Then maybe I wouldn't have to cross the street, but I do. And that's okay. That's beautiful. But rather than having that moment, I let myself like get caught up in the ego and create this whole far- false narrative. So just try to notice that. I didn't beat myself up after it. I was just like, I kind of laughed. I was like, wow, okay, so you just lost a whole block of your walk. <laughs> Girl, by like, come on, let's move on. Notice it, just notice it and move on. Notice it, accept it and move on. Well, again, thank you so much for being here for this episode. I hope you found this helpful, meaningful healing um, powerful. Please interact with me. Um, my social media is at Strong Side Life Coaching, Facebook and Instagram. Um, please, if you enjoyed this episode, review and leave comments for the podcast, for the show. Uh, I appreciate all of you so much. If you'd like to donate to my podcast, those funds do go to my scholarship pool that I'm creating for my one-on-one coaching clients. And I send you so much love joy, abundance, peace into your spirit today.